Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Morning church, how are we doing this morning? I did forget to turn it on. Hold on. That's all me, not the sound guy. That's not Doug. Now I'm on. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? There it is. Hey, church. Good morning. How you doing this morning? Uh, look, I just want to let you know our staff decided because we love you guys so much and we're so appreciative of all you guys do and the giving and what we could all do to the community. We decided to put on an art festival for you guys today. So we're glad you came and hope you enjoy the art festival that we've put on for you today. Uh, no, of course I'm kidding. But one of the things that did happen today is because of the art festival, we could not do uh, Life Steps because it's kind of a madhouse over there. So I'm doing kind of a special one-time thing this week. We normally do Life Steps in person. For those of you who haven't been through Life Steps, if you want to go through Life Steps and you want to go through what today would have been Life Step 2, if you will, on your Connect card, sign up for Life Steps or send an email to me at mike at I'm going to send a video this week of Life Step 2 so that you can do it at home and still come and be right on track with Life Step 3 next week. So if you haven't been through Life Steps, you want to, send us that, sign up on that Connect card so we can do that for you. Um, and then also I have another announcement here. This is cool. So um, it, it's hilarious to me. I've told you guys this many times. There, everybody has their own issues or their own things that like they get really excited about. And, and it's funny because homelessness was really never something that like I got real involved with. Uh, but when you launch a church, what you learn is that the church is not supposed to look like Mike. The church is supposed to look like the people. Um, those are the people that God brought to do ministry. And so we got a whole bunch of people that are in a homelessness, uh, homeless ministry. And so uh, guess what? We do a lot of homeless ministry stuff uh, because of that scenario. And so they wanted me to tell you uh, they're doing a little fundraiser uh, for Come As You Are Ministries. And here's what they're going to do next Sunday. If you didn't know, this is St. Patty's Day. Right, so make sure you wear green next Sunday so you don't get pinched during worship. But um, what they're going to do is they are actually making uh, corn, what is it, corn beef and cabbage, carrots and potatoes dinners, right? That are ten bucks. And so afterwards, Marianne's going to be out in the lobby. If you want to do, uh, pay today, they said if you don't, if you didn't come ready to pay today, that's okay. If you want to stop by and sign up, and then when you leave next week after next week after service, you'll have uh, your corned beef, cabbage, carrot, and potato dinner to take home with you. All right, so they're ten bucks, and that'll help out the uh, the homeless ministry, come as you are ministry. So um, really, really cool because uh, I know Pastor Joanne over there, come as you are. Um, she was a she was a banker like she was a vice president of a bank and they lived in like a, a good four four bedroom home nice size you know middle class kind of a home and she gave up her house and they moved into an apartment because god told her i want you to feed i want you to feed my people and so she said okay she went down somewhere and she did like a feeding thing and he and god said no no no, no. i want you to feed my people so she said she went back and then god said not only you're getting it i want you to feed my people so she quit her job 
and started coming to our ministries. And it's just cool to see when somebody goes out like that and, and takes that, makes that effort uh, to do something great for God and to fulfill purpose um, in their life to see, because I know, trust me, I know I've spent a lot of time with her and there's a lot of heartache. There's been a whole lot of doubt and lack of funds and all that kind of stuff. But it's really cool because now when I go places like in the community, even with talking to some of the police the other day, uh, when they bring up homeless, uh, homelessness, inevitably it comes around to come as your ministries. And so it's just cool to see somebody uh, go from that place of doing something that they thought they were supposed to do or they liked to do or whatever to fulfilling purpose. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about purpose. So the, the research says this. The research says that 87% of Christians do not know what their purpose is, right? And so I bet, I bet that that's a low number. That's my opinion. I think it's a low number because here's the deal. If I came off the stage right now and walked right up to you and handed you the microphone and said, all right, tell everyone here at church this morning your purpose. I wonder if you'd rustle a little bit because I have a feeling most of you would kind of go, ah, ah, the love of God, and, uh, right? Kind of a thing. And so I want to talk about purpose this morning because here's the thing. We are really, really up into purpose. We talk about purpose, fulfilling your purpose. And there's a lot of churches that talk about fulfilling your purpose. But if we're honest, I think most of the time, we don't really know what that means. We, 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 don't, we don't grab that. And so I've been studying this for a little while, and I've heard a couple of other teachings and read a couple of things that that brought a different idea to me of maybe how we can a, a, approach this purpose thing. And so my goal today is, my goal is, is by the end of this service today, you'll have some very practical ways that you can be living out your purpose. Does that sound good? Some very simple, practical ways that you can actually hang your hat on. Here's purpose in my life. Here's what maybe I should be doing. Now, that's why we do Life Steps. And so we really want to encourage you to go through Life Steps and to sign up today if you want to do that. You know, at home, we'll send you the video deal. Uh, and then you can get plugged in the next week. But this is why we do this. Because I think there's nothing that drives me more insane than to see an individual or a family or a community that's just surviving. Just the, it's just the, I just am dealing, I'm just getting, working for the weekend, right? I'm just, I'm just kind of getting by when I know in my gut, I know that God has amazing, unbelievable things that he's called each and every one of us to do. And so there's the tension, right? Here's the tension. So I stand up here or some other pastor or you see somebody else on, you know, online, you watch somebody and, 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 and they're like, you got to fulfill your purpose and what God's called you to do and stuff. And there's a part of you going, yeah, I so want that. But the next question is, yeah, but where do I even begin? Because I have, I, 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 I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to define that. And so I want to give it to you kind of like this because. Surely God has a plan for my life, but I think most of us are going, but I still haven't figured it out yet totally. I, st I still don't know exactly what that looks like, right? Anybody ever asked that question or is that just me? You ever wondered why you're flopping around on this big blue blob? You know, you could be a senior and seniors, some of you guys have actually like, you know, grown businesses or been executives or grow families and send off your kids and do all that stuff. And now you're a senior and there's a, there's a, there's something that happens when you go through that transition to retirement. I was talking to a mom earlier in the first service and she was talking about her daughter just moved out and it was her only child. 
And there's a part of her that's going through this transition of like, who am I now? Like, what, what, what am I supposed to do now? Like, and so for every single one of you, I want to help you today to maybe start to grasp some very simple, practical ideas about the concept of purpose. Two ways that we're going to look at purpose today. Number one, and this is in your notes so you can fill it in. Number one is life-defining moments. Life-defining moments. Okay? That would be what they remember you for at your funeral. Right? So at, the, at, at a funeral, people will go, do you remember when they accomplished this? Do you remember when that happened? Right? There are these big life-defining moments that happen. If you think about like Esther in the Bible, right? She was a beauty queen. I'm sure there was a lot of other things to Esther, but what we remember about Esther is that she saved her nation, right? That, that, was, a, that was a life-defining moment for her to, to kind of do that scenario. Maybe you might think about Abraham Lincoln, right? And you've read the stories like Abraham Lincoln, how many times did he fail and not get elected and all this other stuff. But his life-defining is the Emancipation Proclamation. Right? That, that moment and, and, and that what he did. Or maybe a William Wallace. Freedom! Right? Kind of like, those are, these are life-defining moments that happen in our lives. And, and when I look at my life, I was thinking about um, kind of life-defining moments. Like, what is that for me? Um, because most of us are looking for that thing. We're, we're looking for that thing. There's something inside of us looking for this thing, this moment, this, this life-defining moment type of moment and the problem is is that's not all there is to purpose so there was a guy who had a life-defining moment his name was Mordecai Ham do you know Mordecai Ham's life-defining moment he was the guy preaching the night that Billy Graham got saved so if you look on Wikipedia and you look up Mordecai Ham you're going to see that he's remembered for being the guy who led Billy Graham to the Lord. I think that's a life-defining moment. Maybe just a little bit, right? And the effect. But let me ask you this. Did Mordecai Ham know that was a life-defining moment that night? Probably not. Did he know it a few weeks later or a few years? I don't even know if he knew it in his lifetime. Right? Since Billy just passed and just went on to the Lord not that long ago. I got to imagine Mordecai was probably much older, so he's probably long gone. So the thought, I, I want you to hear this. This is a life-defining moment. This is what we remember this dude for. I'm not sure he knew it on this side of earth. Right? But here's what's interesting about life-defining moments is, is that we, we really don't see them coming. And a lot of times they come out of crisis. Right? A lot of times they come out of crisis. And we step up and God empowers us and multiplies our abilities and lets us do something bigger and greater than ourselves. And that's because God is omniscient, is the big fancy word. Omniscient means he knows everything. Right? You know why that's good news? Catch this, so good. That's good news because that means God knew about your problem and started working on your problem before you knew there was a problem. That might be the best thing you hear all day, right? That the reality that God was already working on. For those of you right now that you're in crisis or you're struggling or there's some kind of struggle going on or strife or relational issues or whatever it is, that God knew about it and was working on it before you ever knew it was a problem, right? 
That's who our God is. And so I started thinking for myself. I was thinking about life-defining moments. So when I was at South Point, some of you guys know I helped start South Point, which is now First Baptist South Campus down there on the south side. When I was at South Point, um, we had a bunch of kids that started coming to our children's church. And they were from this, this uh, a trailer park community called Country Life. If you've seen Country Life, it's down both sides, 33 and 27. We started doing ministry in there. And so I went to the leaders of the church. Now you got to imagine, like this is about the size of the, church, the whole church. Like this is just second service for us. But this was about the size of the whole church at the time. And I went to the pastor and they were paying, I think they were paying our rent. But that, they weren't paying us anything else. So I was working full time doing the whole vocational thing, the whole deal. And I said, hey, we need a bus. Right? To which he didn't say this, but I translated it, you're on dope. Right? Kind of a thing. Um, and, 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 and I said, no, 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 I need a bus to get these kids. And so they were like, you know, I don't think we can do this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So one of the ladies from Country Life came up with this idea, and she had these kids make bookmarks. Now, these bookmarks, they were uglier than homemade sin. You know what I'm talking about? They were terrible. But they were cute because it was made by kids kind of deal. And we put them out on the back table. And we said, will you buy these? Oh, oh, you want to talk about tucks and mark strings? It's fantastic. Buy our bookmarks so we can come to church. Right? Kind of deal. You need Sarah McLaughlin playing music in the background. But anyway, so, so, so we... We, uh, they, they, uh, they bought these bookmarks and all this sort of stuff. So we made about 80 bucks. Ready to buy a bus, man, right? So there was a businessman, he came to me and he said, uh, he said, uh, hey, look, how, how's it going with the bus? That's really been on my heart. I said, we got 80 bucks. And he went, really? And he said, okay, have you done your homework? He was testing me, right? Have you done your homework? I was like, yes, sir, I've done my homework. Here's the picture. The bus is in Franklin, Tennessee. If we buy the bus, Pay insurance for a year, because I'd already thought about the church, the effect on the church. Have a little bit of money in the bank for gas, and buy me a one-way airplane ticket so I can fly to, fly to Franklin, Tennessee, and drive it back. We need $12,000. Well, $12,000 at the size of our church was an obnoxious amount of money, right? And he's like, all right. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write you a check for 1000 bucks. I'm going on a business trip, and he's gone like two or three weeks. I'm going on a business trip, but I really want to hear where we are when I come back. I'm like, all right, we've got 1,080 bucks. You know, here we go. We put back out these horrible bookmarks, um, crying children at the door. No, we didn't do that, but we should have. But anyway, um, so the guy comes back after three weeks, and after three weeks, he's like, uh, uh, man, I've been thinking about the, this bus the whole time I've been gone on my trip. I could not wait to get back. Um, and so tell me what's going on with the bus. And I'm like, dude. We have $1,082, right? And he's like, are you serious? And he got mad. Like, he was like, people haven't done more, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, all right. And he writes me a check for $11,000. He said, go, fly and go get your bus. So we flew up to get the bus. Can I tell y'all, this is the most ghetto bus on the planet. And then we had a lady, and this lady said, the, the seats are horrific. I'm like, yeah, they're pretty bad, torn up, and all this sort of stuff. She's like, look, I don't have anything matching, but I got a, a warehouse full of material. I'll make seat covers. I'm like, rock and roll, go for it. They were the brightest, floral, pink and yellow. I mean, when you walked on, you needed sunglasses to get on that bus, right? It was horrific, but listen to me. But we ran that bus every Wednesday and Sunday, Wednesday nights for youth, Sunday morning for children's church, and picked up kids. And there are some kids sitting in service with you this morning that started getting on that bus when they were six years old, 
right? Now, so when I look back, I'm like, that was a defining moment, right? You know what I mean? That was a, that was a decision. That was a defining moment. When I think back to South Point in that time of my life, the bus was kind of a, a defining thing that now I can still see what God has done, right? And then years later, I'm at the father's house, and we start talking about F schools and problems with schools, and we launched Love Week. And then I started hearing a term that I hear kind of regularly now that kind of kind of trips me out, but it's, it's honoring. And people will say, well, you're the community pastor. That, that's become a life-defining, you understand what I'm saying? But hear me on this. If I had gone chasing after life-defining moments, I would have never gotten there. Because miracles happen in the monotonous. Miracles happen when you do the day-to-day. Miracles happen in consistency, right? Of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And our struggle most of the time is when we are in the, the trenches, the, the, just the, come on, anybody sometimes just kind of feel like you're on the movie Groundhog Day? Right? Where, where it just, I feel like I'm doing the same thing, and I get up, and I do this, and I got to get the kids off, and I got to do that, and you know, blah, 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 blah. But listen to me. What happens, there's a difference, there's a divide that happens in that moment that I need to, you to hear this morning. There's a group of people that go this direction. And this direction says, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to whine and make myself comfortable. I'm not talking about red wine. I'm talking about whining. You understand what I'm saying? Right? I'm going to whine and make myself comfortable. Right? And so I'm just going to complain, you know, this and that. And that. Come on, you ever get around somebody who's like that? Oh, yeah. Come on, there's people who are like black hole of emotions. They're a hoover. Just suck the life out of you. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Right? And it's just, well, this and that. Right? And those are people that learn and, and they create a habit. And they're not horrible people. It's just a habit that's created. Right? It's just a habit that has to be broken. Then I look at life and I just go, yeah, same old. Got the same old wife. Got the same old kids. Same old job. I'm going to go home and eat my same old TV dinner. Right? Or, or, listen to me. There's a people that find purpose, hear me, in the day-to-day. Because there is life-defining moments, but the other part that we're missing is life-encompassing purpose. Life-encompassing purpose. In other words, there are going to be the big moments. They're coming. But you know what happens between the moments? Is your life-encompassing purpose. And your life-encompassing purpose is to live in relationship with the Father is to do what has to be done on the day-to-day so that I don't go down the whining and complaining and making myself comfortable route, right? But I go down the route where I go, God, what do you have for me? What is it? What is the more that's in the day-to-day? It's, it's called hope. One of, our, one, of our prayer, uh, one of our prayer warriors on our prayer team was there and asked Principal Randolph, at least for high school, hey, how can we pray for you? And he said, would you just pray for hope? And boy, I thought that was telling. Right? Loss of hope means we get to the place where we just, I'm just going to survive. Right? 
So, well, you know, if, if I can just get a job over here, if I could just get maybe $12 an hour, or I could just, come on, that's, that's, that's a mentality. Nothing wrong with $12 an hour. Nothing wrong with that. But it's a wrong mentality when it's survival mode. Are you, are you following what I'm saying to you? Yeah. When God, when we founded this, this church on John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you have life and life to the full. Come on, somebody. Life to the full. You've got to go after life to the full. It doesn't just happen. Right? And some of us have lost hope. Some of us have looked around and we kind of, oh, Leesburg, Lake County, Sumter County. Right? And, and, and we get into this wine mode and we get into this mode where we're negative and everything and we're looking for everything that's going to go wrong. Right? Is this is this ongoing, and it's a mentality. I, I, I found these two concepts, listen, in Acts 17, 26. It says this. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Catch this so important right here. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Translate, you know what that means? That means God made you. He formed you. First of all, he started with an idea and a purpose. And he thought up an idea and a purpose and a way that this, this particular person would fit into his plan. And then he formed you and gave you your personality and your quirkiness and those things that make you, you, right? And then he went, whoa, 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 okay. Do we go 70s, 1970s? Do we do 90s? You know what, you know what, you know what? You know what? I, I, I'm going to take Madeline. I'm going to make her inform her. And then I'm going to place her. And I want her to be in Leesburg in March in 2019. That's what that verse is. That he has you here on purpose. In other words, you didn't come here because you got divorced. You didn't come here because you got retired. Right? You, you, you didn't come here because you had to come back home and live with mom and dad. Or, or because of whatever it is. You know, you're, you're not, you teenagers, you're not tortured because your parents made you raise up in Lake County. God placed you here. God placed you here. Right? That's what that verse says. He placed you here for such a time as this. That's amazing. Listen to it. Go on. He determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God. And perhaps... Feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Why did he place you here at this time period right now? And the reason was, first, what it says, is that you would seek him. Your life encompassing purpose is to seek him. Your life encompassing purpose is to have relationship with the Father. And when we have relationship with him day to day, when we work on it, how many of you know relationships take work? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Right? Relationships take work. Right? If you're struggling with your marriage, you need to get to work. If you're struggling with your kids, you need to get to work. You need to get a book or a conference or have somebody talk to you or some counseling. Like, we all need help. So let me give you three ways that I want to give you that are very practical, that this afternoon, tomorrow morning, 
you can start living your life-encompassing purpose. Because what happens is most of us are living for life-defining moments. We're living for the big high. We're living for the big, I'm just waiting because one day God's going to do this. And it's going to be, and that's lottery mentality. Right? It's like saying, one day, Jim, one day we're going to win the lottery. Problem is we don't play the lottery. Right? That's a problem. So how do we play the game in such a way? How do we get involved in purpose in such a way that it leads to life-defining moments? Because if you chase life-defining moments, not only will they never come, you'll never fulfill your life-encompassing purpose, which is relationship with him. How do we do that? Number one, number one, you got to acknowledge that you need help. You've got to acknowledge that you need help. We're going to walk through James chapter 4. And he's going to lay this out for you. And this is the first section. This is kind of what James says in, in a nutshell. Is that we have to acknowledge that we need, we need help. Right? James is writing to the church. So I want you to picture, right? Like this morning you get together and I say, guys, guys, guess what? We got a letter from James. Right? We got, we got a letter from James. You want to hear what he has to say to us? Are you excited? And they would have been stoked because they didn't have a Bible, right? So this was like them getting something that they could hear. This is what James says to him. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Wait, wait, what? what? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Okay, James, you're meddling a little bit now. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's talking to Christians, like, and he's supposed to be talking like holy stuff. But he dives right in and he says, hey guys, hey Christians, you're quarreling within yourself. You're fighting, you're coveting. You're killing other people's emotions and dreams because of the words that you say and the way you interact with each other, right? Coveting. Coveting is looking at somebody else. They have something. You want it, and you don't want them to have it. That's right? It's like bald guys with guys with hair. Right? I went and got a haircut yesterday. And my, my, the guy who my hair has been cutting my hair for three, four years now. And, um, and he and I both are like, dude, this is starting to get a little thin in here. And you know it's bad when he has to cut your hair sort of special so you can do the flap thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm like, maybe I should run for president. But anyway, um, that was a joke. But anyway, but, I, but I'm laughing thinking about the whole bald thing. So I want to I wanna reach out to my bald guys this morning. All right, if, if you're bald and you're here, I just want to encourage you this morning. So here's what I want to say to you. When God looks down at everyone else, he sees hair. When he looks down at you, he sees a reflection of himself. There you go. Stop coveting hair. God sees a reflection of himself when he looks down at you. Right? But, it, but listen, he starts talking to James. James, James says to him, y'all are arguing, and you're quarreling, and you're doing all this kind of stuff. In other words, he's like, hey, guys, y'all kind of messed up. I looked back in worship this morning. And, and, and when I looked back in worship, I was like, there's some messed up people here this morning. Mostly over in this section over here. Well, maybe there's some here, too. Now, the truth is we're all messed up. 
The truth is, every single one of us here has got stuff, right? For those of you who are new here, welcome to the hospital. We've just been on antibiotics just a little bit longer than you. We're no better than you. We're just trying to seek after God, and God is the one who does the work and transforms us, right? And, and so James kind of goes at this, and he's kind of saying, hey, guys, look, let me point some stuff out. Let me point out your bickering and arguing. Let me point out how ugly you are to each other. Let me point out your rudeness and, and how you're dishonoring and, and all these sort of things. And he's like, whoa, 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 let's deal with this stuff. The way you're, you're coveting each other. And so I want to point that out because I want you to acknowledge you need help. Boy, we don't like that. I don't like that. Anybody else? Like, I like to think I, I got it. I, I'm good, y'all. I'm good. Anybody else? Like, I got this. I'm in control. I, and men were notorious for it, especially. Right? I got this, and I'm just going to be cool. I'm going to stay over here. Nobody's out of my business. You know, kind of, but three, listen to me. We have to start. If you're going to live your purpose, it begins with the acknowledgement, I need, I need help. Yeah. I need God. I need you. And you need me. We, we have to help each other in this process. We're all just like this. He goes on James 4, 2, and 3. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. That's another reason we need each other. Because we need to be able to check each other's motives. This is why we need to be really good at conflict resolution. Because conflict's coming, y'all. Right? The more people you add here, the more problems you add here. Right? That's just, that's just simple math. It's zeros. Right? We moved to Leesburg High School in six weeks. And when we do that, that auditorium sits 800 people. That's about 8,000 problems. Come on. Maybe you went to a small group this semester and it wasn't a good fit for you. That's okay. Maybe you've been working somewhere and somebody's rubbed you raw and it, that, that, that's okay. Let's deal with it. Let's address it. Let's acknowledge our need for God. God, would you help me because I'm not perfect and deal with the stuff we need to deal with. We are church. We are in love with the wrong things. We are in love with the things of this world when we need to be loved with the things of God. And you know what's of God? People are of God. Made in his image. Apple of his eye. That he would give his one and only son to sacrifice for them. Right? There's a picture I get in my head. Because sometimes I don't think we realize that it's actually God who's working against us. And here's what I mean by that. He's trying to keep you safe. He's trying to protect you, sometimes from ourselves, right? And so acknowledging that we need help. It's like the picture I get. I don't know if any of you remember having small children in the house or still do have small children in the house. But if you have a little one who's going over towards the knife drawer and grabs the knife drawer to pull it open, but you sort of lean up against the knife drawer, right? And they can't tell, and you don't want them to tell that it's you because you want them to still like you, right? But, but, but they look at you kind of like, help me with the drawer, right? 
Come on, sometimes that's God with us. Amen. We're dying to get the drawer open. He's saying, no, 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 you can't open this because you're going to kill yourself. Right? And for some of us, to ignore, I need your help. We're that, that innocent. We're that young. We're that small. We're the child trying to pull the drawer open. God's going, oh, work with me. Acknowledge that you need my help. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Right? Acknowledge that we are dependent upon God. James 4 and 6, as you continue to go down, he gives grace generously. Oh, aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful for grace? One day we're going to get to heaven and they're going to play the movie back. And you're going to get to see all the stupid things that were going to happen, but God stopped. Right? You're going to see all the times he was leaning up against the drawer, going, no, no, no. As the scripture said, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I need your help. I put my pride down. Right? Put my pride down and say, I, I need you, God. I need you to tell me what it is that I'm supposed to do today. I need to put my agenda down and acknowledge my desperation. Because if I do today, it's not going to be good. You know what's the quickest way for us to know whether or not we're acknowledging our need? Is whether or not we opened our Bible. Think about it. How can you go through your day and get no instructions from your father and call that dependency? Right? That's that's what it means. that we would actually, and we would take time to pray. God, I, I surrender my will to you today. How do you want me to spend my day? What do you want me to do with my finances today? How do you want, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to today? I, I, every once in a while, I try to practice when I'm driving into to the office. I'll try to just turn the radio off and go, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? And I just try to listen. And every once in a while, I'll get a, hey, call this person and encourage them. Or that kind of, that, that we just acknowledge that if I just go through my day, it's not going to be part of my purpose. And then I'm going to jump into the mode of looking for life-defining moments. Do you hear me? Because I'm, I'm not doing this. And I'm not finding myself within his purpose today. I'm going to go chasing the hype. I'm going to go chase it. And we get off track and we get into that place. And James 4 and 7, give yourselves completely to God. James 4 and 8 and then 10 say, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. What does that mean? That means put your pride down. Take all the stuff away that is what you want and your ideas and your agenda. Because your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. To live your encompassing purpose, your life-encompassing purpose, you have to acknowledge your need. You have to come to a place of humility. That's tough. Number two. Number two, as we keep going in, in the next part of, of chapter four, it says, um, believe the best. This will be a good one. Believe the best about everyone you meet. Believe the best about everyone you meet. Boy, do I sense a little pushback kind of staring at me like, you're on drugs. 
You don't know who I live with. You don't know who I work next to. My neighbor, if my neighbors drive across my lawn one more time, You don't know who I sit next to at the lunch table. You don't know that kid in my English class that I swear, man, sometimes I have some unhealthy thoughts. Come on. But this is what James is telling us. Believe the best about everyone that you meet. Are you going to get burned? Yes, you're going to get burned. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus get burned? Yeah. We're followers of his. We do what he did. Right? Let me give you three reasons why. Because I'm sensing a little bit of pushback. I knew I'd get a little bit of pushback. Because this was hard. Because listen to me, I also don't want to downplay that you've been hurt. I, I don't want to downplay that you've been hurt. I don't want to downplay that people have done things to you out of your control. I'm not downplaying that at all. And that stuff has to be dealt with. But what I am saying to you is, this is what James says to us about the way we should live. Number one, the reason we should live that way is, it's not your responsibility to, to judge others. It's not your responsibility to judge others. Catch this, this is good. A lot of your stress, catch this, a lot of your stress is because you are taking responsibility for places that you have no authority. A lot of your stress is because you're taking responsibility for places that you don't have authority. What does that mean? That means you're trying to fix people and you're not the authority. We're terrible about this. I'm terrible about this. Come on. You know you have looked at a family and been like, I'd tear that butt up. Taking responsibility where you don't have authority. Come on. You, you, you've looked at the church and been like, well, I would do that differently because blah, 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 blah. Taking responsibility when you don't have authority. And we do this all day long. We have this tendency to give our opinions. Boy, we're an opinionated culture. Right? And social media has just given us keyboard courage enough where we can really blast it out there. I was reading a thread yesterday, just kind of shaking my head and laughing. Somebody local made a comment, and it was a, an abortion comment. And somebody came back, and Mandy just went back and forth. And the, and the person actually said, boy, you sure are brave on a keyboard. Oh. I thought, now so I'm getting good now. <laughs> But listen to me, that's so true. Let me ask you something, are we too brave? Are, are we too brave because we're putting our opinion, listen to me, unsolicited advice is always going to be received as criticism. Always. Meaning, if I didn't ask you, shh, hush, taking responsibility where you don't have authority. Right? I, 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 I'm so grateful Pastor Ron Cook was my pastor at South Point, and he has agreed to become one of our overseers uh, of the church. So he and I met the other day and spent some time together. I'm really excited about that. And, um, but I thought it was so cool. Pastor Ron is, is a counselor, so he kind of knows this stuff pretty in, in, instinctively. And so the other day I said something to him, and I made it as a, I stated something to him. Right? 
And when I stated it to him, he looked at me and he said, are you asking for my opinion on that? And I thought, that was so good, dude. I didn't say it to him. But on the inside, because I'm prepping for this, I was like, that was good. Right? Because listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. If somebody doesn't ask you, then you've got to know they're just going to take it as criticism. Unless you have been given some kind of authority in that place. This is one of the hardest parts of being a Christian, in my opinion, is this submission scenario. Because inevitably, I promise you, eventually I'm going to offend you. I'm really good at it. Right? Because I'm in the hospital just like you. I acknowledge. I need God's help. I'm a mess too. I'm trying to figure this out just like you are. Right? But guess what? But God made me the pastor. He gave me that authority. Right? And, 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 and we have to understand where is it that God has given me authority? If you're a parent, you have authority in that position, right? If you're a judge, like in a courtroom, you have that authority. If you're on a, a, if you're on a jury, you have that, right? But listen to me. If you are not on anything, but you get on, what is that Leesburg Facebook page? Word of mouth. Boy, there's some mouths on there. If you get on Leesburg word of mouth and blast out your opinion, come on, man, that ain't helping Jack. Unless somebody asks you. Again, responsibility without authority. Listen to me. This is one of the biggest problems, and some of you can, boy, y'all are going to aim in this one. Um, some of you, this is your problem at work. Because you have a boss that has given you responsibility but not authority. And it causes you all kinds of chaos and stress. Because you don't have the authority to do what they're trying to get you to do. Right? Listen to me. That we would stop and say the reason we need to think the best of other people is because it's not our place to judge. And, well, let me read it out of James first. 4, 11 through 12. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? In other words, here's my paraphrase again. You need to resign as the general manager of the universe. And recognize where is it that God has put me? And where is it that he's given me authority? And where is it that he's put me to learn submission? Right? One of the very first things that we did is we put some people, the reason I asked Pastor Ron to be another overseer is I recognize we're moving into Leesburg High School. The spiritual battle is only going to rise up. I need some more men in my life, right? And he looked at me the other day and he said, I don't give a flip about how pretty your ministry is. I want to know how your relationship with God is and how your wife is. And I love it. And he needs to do that. Right? That's the acknowledgement that we, we need each other, that, that we understand that we, we've got to have that. But we've got to stop taking responsibility where God has not given us authority. Let me say it to you this way. I'll give you another illustration. So um, something happened when we had kids. My wife's mom, I love that woman. She's not here. I wouldn't admit it if she was here. But I love that one. She's awesome. She was a strict mom. Right? I mean, bust their butts kind of mom. And then great kids came. What the crap happened to that woman? 
come on, somebody. You know, I, I see the Bowens back there laughing right now, right? You, you know, all of a sudden something happens. It's kind of like this thing where parents, their responsibility is to love, guide, discipline, encourage, right? This, this is what they do. But it's kind of like grandparents, their job is to have fun in a candy drawer. I told my girls, I said, if you guys have kids, I just want to prepare you now because they're all going to want to come to Papa's house. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it's going to be fun at Papa's house. I'm going to say things to them like, I don't know why your parents are so mean. You should be able to eat whatever you want. <laughs> Sugar them up, send them on back. You know what I'm saying? It's a little payback. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Although I did hear someone tell me that if they knew grandparenting would have been so fun, they'd have just skipped the parent part and gone straight to it, you know? But anyway, listen to me, listen. God is the parent role. God is the parent role. He's the father, not me. In other words, it's his job to correct, guide, love. Our job with people is like the grandparent role. We're just supposed to love them. We're just supposed to be kind to the ones that are turds. <laughs> Come on. We're, we're just, we're just, and yes, are we taking it? Or sometimes are you going to take it on the chin? Yes, you're going to take it on the chin. Let me ask you something. Did they spit in Jesus' face? And what did he do? Nothing. He took it. And then he got on a cross for those same people that spit in his face. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's that we stop acting like parents, like it's our job to police everyone else, right? And this is why we need to start thinking the best of the people that are around us. Another one is when you judge, you're wrong most of the time. We're wrong most of the time. Come on, every single one of you knows. Somebody, you heard something, somebody told you something, you got ticked. You're mad as all get out. And then later on, as Paul Harvey would say, you heard the rest of the story. And you went, oh. Maybe I shouldn't have got so mad. That makes sense. Right? Whenever we judge, we are almost always wrong. We don't have the whole story. We, 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 we don't have the whole scenario. And we are so good at developing stories. Come on. We hear a little bit. Do you remember Mad Libs? Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, tell me an adjective. Fill it in. Tell me a noun. That's kind of the way we live a lot of our life. Somebody gives us a couple adjectives and a noun, and we make a whole story out of it. And we're wrong. Like, we create. Well, we, she looked at me funny in the lobby of church, and I don't know what happened. And she didn't sit next to me in a small group, so probably this is actually probably having marriage problems. Come on. We create a whole narrative. We're wrong most of the time when we judge. There's an arrogance, listen to me, that causes us to judge others and think we know better than they do. It's pure arrogance. It's pure pride. Because people are living their life and reacting to life by their feelings. So when that person came in this morning and you said hey to him in the lobby, and you're like, hey, good morning, and they're like, hey, and they walk by, how quick do we make it about us? Arrogance. Well, gosh, I don't know what I did. Did I say something? Did I? 
That's what we do. Instead of thinking the best of them. And the best would be, man, something must be going wrong. I wonder if I can help them. Is there anything I can do? Do you see the difference? That's what Jesus, that's what James is calling us to do. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. Come on, how many of us have done that? We jump to conclusions before we understand the whole, actually what is really going on. We hear a story from one person. The Bible actually says, he who tells the story first seems right. Right? And then we don't take the, you know what's crazy about the rest of that verse? The rest of that verse says, you know when the evidence is coming in, the rest of the evidence? When Jesus comes back. In other words, you, you, you may not have the whole rest of the story. We just need to go ahead and believe the best. As best as we can. That's what, that's what James is calling us to do. And then the third one is, is probably my favorite. The third one is when you believe the best about people, it engages the law of reciprocity. It engages the law of reciprocity. Reciprocity. The best way I can describe it is you've been to a mall. In some malls, there's a door. And then there's like a little vestibule. And then there's another door. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? Where you got two doors. Like that's like the fly catching zone. Or I don't know what that is. But you understand. Right? Right. Well, you walk up to the door and somebody's coming behind you. And so you, oh, you open the door for them. When you walk in, what happens? Nine times out of ten, they open the other door for you. It's the law of reciprocity. Social uh, psychologists say that when you serve or love on someone else, there is a deep urge that happens within their psyche to return the favor or to return. So I get this picture in my head, like, because you know if that vestibule had like seven doors, it would turn into a contest. No, 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 you go, you go. <laughs> Right? That's the law of reciprocity. And so when you believe the best in people, guess what? They'll believe the best in you. This one's going to sting. You ready? Maybe the people are not thinking the best of you because of how you're treating them. That's also the law of reciprocity. The way I'm speaking about or to people, I'm getting that in return. Right? It comes back to me. Negative words and things that hurt and all that are struggle. Jesus says it this way in Luke 6, 37. Do not judge others and you'll not be judged. Law of reciprocity, right? Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you. Now, I wonder, before I read this next part, this next part is always made about money. Read it in context. That's all I'm going to say. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will de determine the amount you give back. That's the law of reciprocity. That's why we're encouraged and James encourages us, hey, think the best of other people. Are you going to get hurt? Absolutely. Right? People are people, right? The world would, not, would, would be really easy if it wasn't for people. Right? But, it, but Jesus said, we're going to have trials. You're, you're going to have struggles. Can I encourage you to stop being so aghast when crazy things happen? Like, that's what Jesus told us. He's like, hey, guys, 
things are going to be jacked up sometimes. And yet then something comes and we're like, oh my gosh. But do you remember what we said earlier about the omniscience of God? That he knew and was working on the problem before you ever knew there was a problem, right? He's got it worked out. He's got it worked out. Now, I know for some this one's hard because of how you've been hurt and, and, and because of that scenario, and, and I get it. I'm not, I'm not trying to play off and make this easy, okay? I don't know what that was. But I'm not trying to make this easy. I think my mic, my mic just left? Yeah. All right, I'm just going to talk loud because I'm not stopping. So but I, I, it's, it's, I know it's not easy to simply um, just walk away. I, I get that. I, I understand that reality. I understand that struggle inside of us. But listen to me. The path to your healing begins here. The path to your healing begins here. The path to your healing begins with the scenario where I learned to get over because here's what's happening over and over and over and over and over in our culture. We are a culture of being offended because we are carrying, I should have brought with me like a Santa sack or something, because we're carrying so much baggage with us because of what's been done and what people have said. This happened to me and my, my dad had only been my, my mom and Come on. At some point, we're going to have to grow up and move on. And I don't mean that to be ugly. For those of you who are hurting, please, I'm not not trying to be ugly to you, but I am saying you're carrying baggage into your current relationships, and it's not fair to your current relationships. You're carrying baggage into your current relationships. And then blaming it on them when they do things that make you mad. We we, we have to get over. This is who Jesus, Jesus hung a cross and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. At some point, followers of Jesus do the same thing. In the midst of being spit on in the face, in the midst of being offended, in the midst of being hurt, we go, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then we speak life. And we speak love. And we believe the best anyway. Why? Because they were created in the image of God. Number three. So I'm trying to give you a life-encompassing purpose, right? Besides the life-defining purpose. So this is what you can actually do day to day. So just kind of reviewing, you've got your notes there. But number one is you've got to acknowledge that you need help, right? We've got to get to that place where we acknowledge we need help. We gotta believe the best in other people. As hard as that is, we have to fight for that inside of us. Number three, you gotta ask God before you do anything. You gotta ask God before you do anything. Anything at all. Because it's his life that he created inside of you. It's it's him that has purpose. Anybody here have any regret decisions? You got any decisions you regret? Anybody uh, invest in real estate in 2007? That was a bad one. One guy I think about when I think about regretting decisions is a guy named Ronald Wayne. You may not know this, but Ronald Wayne was one of the original guys at Apple. When we think Apple, we always think Steve and Steve, right? Jobs and Wozniak, okay? 
will run away with the third in the trio that started Apple. For $1,500, he purchased 10% of Apple. $1,500. 10%. But because Steve Jobs was such a visionary and his thoughts were like way out there for this dude, he got shaky with it. And not too long later, he, he sold his 10 shares back to them for $2,300. <coughs> which today would be worth $50 billion. Bad timing. Bad timing. And listen to me. We may not ever make a $50 billion decision. I pray some of you do. It'd be awesome. But you may not ever make that, but every day we're making decisions that have timing issues. Is it time? Is it what God wants me to do now? Should it be this year or next year? Should it be this? Should I go here or there? And, 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 and timing is everything. James 4 and 13. And now I have a word for you who brashly announce on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we brashly say, today, at the latest, tomorrow, we're off to such and such city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. And he goes on to say, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog. I don't like that definition of me, to be quite honest. But you're nothing but a wisp of fog, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. <coughs> Instead, check this, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it, and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. Right? That goes right back to our first one, acknowledging that I need help. Surrender, submission, understanding that I've got to ask God before I do anything. Before I make that financial decision, God, is this what you would have me to do? And then go for it, whatever he tells you, no matter what anybody else says. Because people are going to think you're crazy if it's a God idea, right? Maybe you're in that place of like, should I move? I just, I need, I need a fresh start. Here's a problem with the fresh start concept. Are you ready? Geography doesn't change issues. You know why? Because you still bring you there. You're so awesome. Thanks, bro. You, you still bring you there. I wouldn't have a voice by the time we're done. You, you still bring you to that place, right? In, in that, in, 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 and so at some point, if John is always in the middle of conflict, if John is always in the middle of being offended or whatever, eventually John needs to look in the mirror and realize John's the issue. Okay. And so, so, so that we would say that, like, God, what is it you want me to do? How is it that you, okay, so I'm going to pick one more. I'm not looking at anybody. So you can't say, I get some of y'all sometimes, like, you looked right at me when you said that. <laughs> so I'm looking up at the front back wall, okay? But how about fashion decisions? <laughs> Does God want you to be sexy? Is that on God's priority list, that you're sexy? Listen to me, that we might actually get to the point where we have such a surrender in our heart that we pull clothes out of our closet and go, here's the question, you ready? God, will this honor you today? Amen. That's the question. The question of whether it's a financial decision or a job decision or a family decision, the question that we've got to ask is, God, will this 
honor you, Matthew 6, 31. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. Purpose. What's, what, what's my purpose, Pastor Mike? Well, let's define it two ways today. One is you're going to have life-defining moments. Amen. You're going to get there. But the only way you're going to get there is if you live out your life-encompassing purpose. And that is daily relationship with the Father. Daily acknowledging that I need help. Then treating his people like they are made in his image. And then asking him before I do anything. Let's ask God to help us do this today. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of James. And how much you have taught us through this series so far, God. Father, I repent. I, re I repent for the times I've just chased the life-defining moments. I've chased the big stuff. I've chased the hype. Sometimes it's laziness. I don't want to do the day-to-day. -day. But I realize today that it's about my relationship with you. It's about bringing glory to you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you empower us that we might live out our life-encompassing purpose, that relationship with you, that dependency upon you, that surrender to you, so that then we can turn around and reach the people around us with love because we feel your love because we feel your grace towards us. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I just want to pray a couple different prayers. One, maybe there's some of us here that we've kind of been, you've been Christians for a long time, but you kind of, today you realize, yeah, I've just kind of been going through the motions. And i got to find myself back at that place where I'm doing what it says there in Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God. Surrender to him today. God, I need your help today. God, I definitely need your help this week to think the best of the people around me and to speak life. And God, I'm going to do my best this week to stop and ask you before I do anything. What is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to live? How do you want me to talk to my spouse? How do you want me to respond to my kids? Everything that I may have to go through. And Father, there may be some here today who feel far from you because they never have started a relationship with you make yourself very real to them today. And if that's you today, what's amazing is God loves you right where you are. And that all you have to do is, is surrender to him, is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you surrender your life. And then just confess that and ask him to forgive you. And the word says he is faithful to forgive. And so if that's you today, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And maybe it would be like this, that you would pray for the very first time today, Jesus, I give you my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I want to live on purpose the way you've created me to live. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Empower me now to fulfill the purpose that you have for my life. Best as I know how I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people say, Amen. If you would take a connect card.
and fill it out for us. If you, um, if it's your first time here, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And um, if uh, you would write that in there, there's your name, phone, email, and, and uh, date of birth uh, that we'd ask you. That's all we ask you to fill out. If you need to sign up for Life Steps today and do that scenario, that's awesome. If you, um, uh, if you want to pray, if you have a prayer request, you can put the prayer request on the back. Uh, but would you just fill out and respond today, however the, um, the Holy Spirit's kind of speaking to you and what he's speaking to you. And then just a moment, our ushers are coming. They're going to receive our tithes and our offerings. And you can take that Connect card and just drop it in the bucket.